America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs abuse. are menacing our society. What are your thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. On drugs. All right, yeah, that worked. So my- now... Check, check. Yeah, you're good. So this is the first one we're recording with Logic. So I'm uh, learning new to this. That up. All right. Um, in the studio with Jeff Green. Wow, thanks for having me, man. Of course. Another musician, Fort Myers musician, plays on the beach and country clubs and stuff like that. Wherever, wherever they'll have me. That's where I'll go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's July, and it's never. I've never seen it this busy in July. Have you? July, no, 24th, too, the end of July. End of July. Like, we're going into what would be the deadest month. I don't think we have seasons anymore. We'll still have our snowbirds in our busy season, but there's not going to be an off season. August and September usually the, are the slowest. Are the slowest months. But, like, places like Diamond Head are booked solid through January. So they're not, they're not slowing down. So there's going to be people here. Oh, yeah. And you've been down there, Margaritaville. Oh, yeah, that's coming. It's going to be. Jimmy Buffett, you know. <laughs> I'm hoping, to, over. I'm hoping to move out of here before then. Dude, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'll say, that, well, so you live on the beach, so that's, that's even more reason to get the hell out of here. It takes me two hours to get off now. I know. So when that's there, it's going to be, gonna I'm be talking crazy. construction. Like, oh, yeah, before, they, before it's even built. Yeah, I, I, I can't stand the Jimmy Buffett kind of attitude for the people that come out and want to hear that kind of stuff. And, and I get it. You're at the beach, whatever. I, I just don't like it. If I'm at the beach, I want to hear good music. And I've said that, like... If you are living in a mobile home, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hating, I, these aren't mobile home people that are middle out. America. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not hating on people in mobile homes. If you're living in Ohio in your house, whatever, wherever you live, and you want to feel like you're at the beach, get a pina colada and put on Jimmy Buffett. Whatever you want to do, if that's what you want to do, I think it's ridiculous. But if you want to feel like you're at the beach, but if you're actually at the beach, you don't have to do that because you're at the beach. I agree. I agree. But they're they're. They're like playing. We're going that way. Like they're building, like I think seven bars, new bars, down there, in, in the area or within the Margaritaville place. Within Margaritaville. So it's not just going to be like because in Key West there's a Margaritaville, but it's just yeah. a hotel. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have a bar and there's a Margaritaville. Uh, there's a Margaritaville bar on Duval, but it's not attached to the actual thing. This is going to be different. Have you seen the one in Orlando? At Universal. Margaritaville in or Claremont, Orlando, not no, Universal. No. I think it's going to be similar to that, where it's just like a big hotel, shops, like kind of like how Times Square is now, but more just shops. Like um, it's going to change the dynamic of the beach. It is, man. It's because they don't have any um, like McDonald's or anything like that. But now they're putting a Margaritaville, which is like um, the biggest. I don't, I don't know, popular thing. You know what I For mean? For the beaches, yeah. It's 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 become um, like a, it's just a brand, a beach brand. That's, yeah. And, in Margaritaville, oh, see, there was a McDonald's there. So, I don't know yeah. why they left. I don't know either. But they were always busy. I know. But um, I, I, I'm thinking maybe they didn't want the corporate thing down there, but then here comes Margaritaville. That's what I'm saying. Like, and There's been a Dairy Queen since I moved here. That might have just been grandfathered in. That's one of them. Yeah, it's like the only one I see down there, though. That's It's the only corporate place down there. There is no Taco Bells, Wendy's, any of that on the beach. Right off the beach, you can get all that stuff. It's crazy. And they're going to throw a Margaritaville right in the middle of it. Yeah, well, they, they spent a lot of money to get that put in, and they have the money. That's what it is. Capital moves everything. If you have the capital, you can pretty much do what you want. And that's what these companies, I'm, I'm not to try to change the subject, but I was reading this book about uh, called Post-Corona. 
And he talks about the big four companies, Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple. And he's like, the problem is with any startup company, as soon as you start to get traction, there's these companies that have unlimited capital. We're talking about Apple's now a $2 trillion company. It took them, they said it took them 42 years to get to one trillion and then like eight months to get to the next trillion because of Corona. Because coronavirus put everybody at home. Everybody's, so tech, tech, skyrocketed. So when you look at the Dow Jones and we're like 500, we're like, we're, we're doing great. No, the top companies are doing great and it makes us, the whole economy look great, but it's the top 100 companies that are holding all that together. Anyway, we're not going to get into that bullshit economic discussion, but, uh, yeah. but I'm just saying capital moves everything. And when you look at something like Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett land for, it's like a amusement park for idiots that, you know, and that's the thing. These these people are probably great people when they're back home with their regular jobs, but they come down here and they and they and I actually feel bad for a lot of the people because if you think about it, if you live the kind of life that you kind of go to a job and you just hate, but you have to because you got a mortgage and kids and this and that, you're planning for college, and then you get two vacations a year for two weeks each, you're gonna get on those vacations. You're gonna come to a place like Fort Myers and you're gonna get drunk as shit and be belligerent and think you own the world and you own the beach and everything's about you. And I get it. But also, fuck you. I, yeah, yeah. I don't. Also I, I, I'm tired of hearing you yell at servers. Like, I've been waiting for 10 minutes. Well, fucking wait 10 more minutes. It's going to, yeah, yeah. Look at the beach. It's beautiful. You're going to get your drink. Everybody's slammed. Everybody's overworked. They don't get it. They don't see it the way no. the way we do. They see it with blinders. Like, this is my time. And, I, and again, I get it. Yeah. I'm, I, their, their lives are not anything I, I, I do not... Um, have any envy for what, yeah. what they go. even if they have a bigger house and a nicer car no envy i don't care i don't need that i have a life that i enjoy dude we're, we're, we are very lucky too to to have the places to stand where we stand you know what i mean like not many people can do what we do or even want to do what we do that, yeah. that we, wherever we go they're like all right you have your space over there that doesn't happen for many people yeah like, we're very lucky just to have that oh and we have people coming up to us every day going Hey, I really like what you're doing, and they throw money in your tip jar. Hey, great job! Do you know I was reading the, one of Johan Hari's books? I've mentioned him in every podcast, but he was talking what's it, about what's his name, Johan Hari. So okay. with a J, I was calling him Johan for the first three episodes. Mike corrected me, but um, <laughs> but no, he he did this book about depression, and he has different reasons for depression. But one is people not being appreciated for what they do, and they said the number one there was a, a number one profession for suicides at one point in the UK was basically IRS workers, but it's not the IRS over there, but it was tax people. Because if you're constantly calling people or, or having to talk to people who are getting audited or whatever, they're just, they, they, they hate you. And I trust, I, if they, when I'm on the phone with the IRS, I hate them. Yeah. But it's not the person on the phone's fault. So they're never like, hey, I just, I just want you to know you're doing a great job. Never. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, if they get a day off, because it's, say, I get this Monday off because it's Memorial Day. Well, that's just more work they have to do when they come back. So do they really enjoy the time off of the family? Because that work is piling up, so so that so our jobs we get constantly just hey great job good work oh I like what you're doing, just all day yeah and, and we don't have to sit there and go through numbers and files and all these crap all day we just pick up our instruments and sing some songs and look at the beach and then like you were saying like we're, we're kind of complaining before we started about fifteen hour being the lowest that we'll take but dude we're, we're like you said doing something we love people telling us they love it. And you see the joy when, oh, they're, yeah. when they're, you know, I mean, you get to see what you're, what you're bringing to the table, like you said, every day. And if you're not bringing a table, you get to see that too. Like if you're up there hungover, like people see that. Like, oh yeah. People know that, man. They, they latch onto that. So I, I see the anger when I don't know the song that they want to hear. And it's, so, some people just get mad. Like this one guy comes up, he's like, you got any Kenny Chesney? I'm like, 
no, nah, I don't I don't do any Kenny Chesney. He's like, all right, well, or no, he asked for something else first. I don't remember what it was, Garth or something. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, all right, just play some Kenny. And he went to throw 10 in my, my jar. Like, I just knew that. And I was like, I don't know any Kenny Chesney either. He's like, well, what country do you know? I was like, I don't really do country. He goes, well, it's all I needed here. And he put the money back in his wallet and stormed away. And I was just like, and the thing is, I'm kind of an asshole. I think I kind of wanted to get that reaction because I do some country. Just a small amount. But I could have said I can do Wagon Wheel or I can do... Uh, some Sturgill Simpson, uh, and that's because in this country I like, but most people don't want that. They want the, um, what do they call it, uh, stadium country. Yeah. There's a great Bo, Bo Burnham. Have you seen Bo Burnham's new special? No, I've seen like the clips, not the whole way through. It's it's brilliant. But the Inside, one, right? Yeah. But the one he did before that, the last one he did in public was five years before that. He was 25 years old, but he did this song called uh, Country Song, but it's about uh, how country music... Pandering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Yeah. It's like on the nose of what that genre has become. Like a guy wearing, it's like you're in your $3,000 cowboy boots, you've never touched a tractor, but here I'm going to pander a little bit and tell you about my life on the farm and you're going to eat it up and I'm going to dance on your paycheck. Yep. Fuck your ears, I'm pandering. <laughs> Fuck your ears, I'm pandering. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. It's so good. You dumb motherfuckers ready for a key change? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, I was hanging out with Chris, you know, Chris Kemp. If you heard of him around or whatever. He's like a country guy around here. I've heard of him, yes. And I was hanging out with him, and I asked him if he'd heard of it. And he was like, yeah, I've, I've seen it. Because he does that to an extent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he does the whole country thing, like, Well, I, tr I tried to do that once. Uh, I was in a band called, we called ourselves The Getaways, and we did a lot of, like, folky stuff. It was with Steve Reynolds and Bobby Blakey and Brophy. And they decided... That they just wanted to turn it into a country thing. They were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna play weddings," and I was like, "All right, you know, I don't really know a lot about country, but I'll, I'll get into it." So I started listening to country on the FM radio, and I, you know, just really trying to absorb it. So I think it took me about a week before I quit. I was like, "I'm out. Can't, can't do it. I cannot do this. Yeah. I don't like. I don't get it." Yep. I, I, if I can't connect with the song, like like Wagon Wheel, Margaret Vale, I do them because people want them. I know I'm gonna get paid, but yeah. like. There's a new, like, Morgan Wallen. You've heard of him? I don't know. Mm -hmm. He's like a 22-year-old country artist, but he came out with a song called Thought You Should Know. And, dude, I was at my house, like, flipping, flipping through YouTube and saw that and, like, listened to it for, like, a half hour straight. It's, like, him just, it's not um, recorded. It's just him on a couch playing it on Instagram. But, dude, like, every lyric I loved, I, I've been playing it out. I got, I got a $50 tip, and she, like, thanked me for that song. So, like... If it's country, jazz, I don't care what kind of genre people say it is. If it does something like that to me, oh yeah, I'm, I'll play it forever. You know what I mean? Forever. I agree with that. I mean, I, like I say, I like Sturgill Simpson, and um, even Kenny Chesney. That one song he had, uh, uh, "Somewhere with You." Yeah, yeah. I like that song. It's, yeah. a, it's just a heartfelt song about going through a breakup, and and and. But but then another beer in Mexico. It's just like I get what you're doing. You know, Zach Brown. Zach Brown's one of those talented musicians who I don't think he even understands how much he's pandering. He's just like it's just a happy, fun song, and it is. But you are clearly, you know, just throw me a peso and whatever. I got yeah, my yeah, toes yeah. in the water, my ass. People request that constantly, and I used to play it. I don't anymore. Yeah. I still could. And one time, I think somebody threw twenty bucks in. I was like, fuck it. No, get through it yeah it's, it's an easy song yeah but most time like no for one it, there was a time when you weren't constantly online now any song i play at any given time could be streamed live and someone and it's not every song but it's constant when you'd be halfway through a song and all of a sudden there's a phone in your face and you know you're getting streamed on their, in their page and the thing is i'm trying to do something with original music and with my podcast i don't want 
I don't want me singing Margaritaville on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like, imagine if Kurt Cobain, after the Unplugged concert, like, oh, and here's some other stuff he does. And yeah, all of a sudden, about, it's him yeah, doing, yeah. like, Brown Eyed Girl and, you know, Mustang Sally. He'd be like, damn, Kurt Cobain sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I agree. Um, all right, so, you know, we, we were going to jump right into the, to the story because this is the piece on drugs, but we, and we have not. So let's get in because I don't even remember the story. I think I was drunk last time you told me. I vaguely remember some of it. I don't remember what all I told. Either, but it has so. to do with you eating peyote? That is correct. I, I, was, um, I was 17 years old. I was looking for pot from a friend trying to get high after where, school. Where were you at? Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Is that where you're from? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Born and raised. Okay. So it was, it was after school, like on a, just like a Wednesday, man. I want to get some pot. Call my brother's friend. He said he doesn't have pot, but he has something else that's all natural and will get me high. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm 17. I don't know any better. I go buy peyote. I didn't, he just said it's all something all natural that'll get you high. So me and my buddy went over there, bought it, take it back to his place. We eat it. I ended up, like an hour later, I ended up calling him saying, hey, man, like I want my money back. That's the last thing I remember. Really? Be- yeah. Did, like, you, did you get sick, though? Yeah, we all threw up. Okay. Well, the two people that ate it. Yeah. We all threw up. I ate more than my friend. So I guess... I guess you like you get naked is what they is what happens. So I got naked. Like I, I remember calling my friend and being like pissed, like man, can't get my money back. And then I remember my friends being like chasing me down the street because I was naked. <laughs> right so down you, the street naked. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. Of, I had some friends do that on acid at a, at some shows. I think you just get hot. You know what I mean? You're like, oh man. So you start sweating. You also might want to get like. When you get so when you're tripping so hard, sometimes I feel like it feels unnatural to have clothes on. You're like, "Why? I'm an animal. Like, yeah, what, what yeah. am I doing? What is this? Especially if it's hot. You're like, ah. it's like holding you down. Yeah. That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? So, took off all my clothes and my I guess started running around. I don't really know exactly. That's why it's all about set and setting. Yeah, that's I feel being like, seventeen. Like, you see, that's the problem. People, there's there's a lot of crazy drug stories out there, and. They're told people don't have to understand, well, this is what happens if you legalize drugs. It's like, no, this is what happens when drugs are not legal because you get it from a friend when you're 17 years old. You don't like nowadays when they're legalizing psychedelics in certain cities, you're going to go to a trained psychiatrist who understands these drugs, understands set and setting. And and you're not going to be able to do it when you're 17. You're going to be 21 and you're going to go have a great first experience on some of these drugs versus running down the street naked. So. What happened? Did you get you didn't uh, get any trouble legally? Yeah, I did. You did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Not uh, surprising. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm running down the street naked. My friends are like just gave up on me. Like we're like we don't know what to do. You know what I mean? What do you do? You know what I mean? They 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 would try to get me in a car. And I'm like nope, I'm not getting in there. Like just like just not doing what they asked. So someone saw like a, a neighbor or something called the cops. The cops came. <laughs> Actually, I guess I went up to, uh, this is all what I hear, too. I don't really remember this part. They said I went up to, like, a garage sale, <laughs> just, like, looking at shit completely naked. Wait, what time did you do this? After school, like, at 3 p.m. Oh, what? So this was, like, 4. You know what I mean? Oh, I was, I was picturing it, like, 4 in the morning. No, no, during the day, Running down bro. the street naked in the day? Right after school, man. Thought I was, thought I was getting some weed, you know? Thought we were just going to smoke some weed. <laughs> Swear to God, dude. So... So I go around naked. My friends give up on me. I end up at a garage sale. So I, I think they called the cops. Like, hey, man, there's a naked dude. And I was talking another language. That's another thing, too. Like, I wasn't speaking English anymore. So they couldn't... Com- no one could communicate with me. Cops get there. I guess I resist. You know what I mean? I try to get away from them. You know? I don't right. know what's going on. So I resist. So they, they... I guess they put me down. My only charge was battery on an officer. 
So I guess I like swung well, at him. Well, what is? Because what is? I've been charged with assault and battery. It got dropped. It was some stupid shit. On a but, cop? But, but what is this? No, no, no. Just on a person. <laughs> but what is assault and battery? So the assault would be the punch. What's the battery? I don't know. Mine was just a battery. I don't know. Assault and battery. Yeah, that's what it is. I don't know. That's what I got. Yeah. What assault is? and battery. I don't know, man. Well, you have bat battered women's shelter. So battered it was something to do with, I would also think, assault. They can drop the charges. I think that has to do with the bat. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. So did they drop the charges with you? Yeah, I was under it. I was 17. So I went I went to juvenile. You know what I mean? It's so I crazy to I me that, to jail. That, that that's what happens to um, a lot of white kids, myself included. When I was 16 and 17, I got arrested. It was all juvenile. But a lot of... I hate this. I mean, I'm reading the new Jim Crow, so a lot of African American children, they're tried for adults even at 14 and 15, for drug charges and stuff. Yeah, I wonder why. The system's very racist. I, and yeah, yeah. I, and I don't think it's necessarily that all the people involved in the system are racist people, but the system's been designed in, in a racist way. But how come is it doesn't make sense though if the law's written a certain way, a mandatory sentence written a certain way? Why there should be no discrepancy between the color of your skin and what the outcome is, and there definitely is. I 100% agree. The, the arrest, I get, and one, and I don't say get it like it's okay, but I understand the logic that a lot of these officers have is you have to get arrest, you have a certain amount they have to get, and that, that, should, that system should be changed. But they have to get a certain amount of arrest, and if you go into white neighborhoods and you start arresting people, there's going to be a lot of problems. There's a lot of lawyers involved because there's a lot of people with money, and that includes black people from those neighborhoods that have money. You don't arrest, you don't mess with them. Go to the poor communities and harass them, arrest them, do whatever you want, because all they're going to get is a public defender that is going to basically working like a, a puppy mill, just one at a time, boom, 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 another case, case, case. They don't give a fuck. So you're going to get conviction, 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 or plea deal, plea deal, plea deal, and they're all going to sign guilty. And then what happens is you have a whole generation of people locked into a criminal record that prevents them. Not, now they can discriminate against this whole group of people legally. I'm not hiring him because he's not. I'm not not hiring him because he's black. I'm not hiring him because he's a felon. It's, it's a and legal dis discrimination happens. Anyway, got way off base on your story. I don't know. I, I didn't yeah, do yeah. that. But let's go back to your story. So, so you did. You said it did get dropped because you were 17. So, yeah, so I got arrested. Like the cops ended up like you know getting me or whatever. Like took a couple of them, arrested me, and dude, the the vessels in my eyes popped. So for for 30 days, the white. In, the, in my eyes was, it was red, blood red, oh, and, it, and it went away slowly. How did that happen? I think from like trying so hard to get out. I think I just could, could you had this, all this energy from from the, the drugs pulsating drug, and but not, fighting. And the, when you ate the drugs, it was just dried like cactus or, but, or the flowery um, buttons. Yeah, it was like four cacti, like little balls with cacti. You yeah. Cut them open, their seeds inside, and we baked some of the seeds. They said that like it's supposed to like. Um, activate it or something i don't know i've never done peyote it's one of the drugs i've never done and one of my friends um grow, has grown some and try and he's tried to figure out the d dosage and stuff he said he's had mild effects from it but hasn't had any good experiences it just grows wild in indiana like it's just everywhere really at certain times of the year yep really i didn't know that i, didn't, I thought it was is it, so there's desert in indiana no i'm not sure why it grows there it does though hmm I'm sure other places too, but definitely goes wild in the desert and like New Mexico and stuff. But also, I, I heard it was endangered for a while because of all the people picking them. But yeah, I don't sure. know that it still is. Um, 
Then, and then there's the San Pedro's cactus, which is also uh, mescaline. And, uh, and that's the one I used to have some San Pedro's. And I've been looking to buy them. They sell it at Lowe's and stuff, but I haven't found it. And I don't know if it's because they pulled it because of the drug thing. But I don't even want it to do it. I'm not going to cut it up and bake it down. I just think it'd be cool to have it. You got to grow it and then... You grow it and then you... I think it's in the skin. There's different things I've read. You can blend up the whole thing and then strain it. But I've also read you can just bake the skin and cr- crush it up. I honestly... It's just too much work for me. I just want to have the cactus to be like, that does that. Yeah. If I want to trip, I got mushrooms. Like yeah, that. yeah. But so, so that one thing that's different from the story that you've told, from things I've read from like uh, Addux, uh, Aldous Huxley, you know, from when he did his famous uh, was the Doors of Perception, which he goes on his mescaline trip. He might have ate a lot less than you. I don't know the dosage, but one thing is everything was just brighter, and he was at more peace and in touch with the universe. And you didn't seem to go into that peaceful realm at all. You seemed to go into it. I tripped for three days. I went to the hospital for three days. See, and, and, but if it's a natural drug that you know you did that was natural, then it, then it can't, then it wasn't like it was some other drug. But it just doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Three days, like I guess it all makes that, everybody all different. All that happened, like all the bright colors, golden angel. Like I had a lot. You must have just done a huge dose, and not realized for being it. seventeen, first time. It's also, it, you don't know, you, you have no idea what dose you took. You and just, they they say, I'm sorry to cut you off, but they good? they say you could take one seed, it could be the craziest experience of your life, or you eat a whole handful of seeds and it could do nothing like the potency of uh, the drug different per depending on how maybe when you pluck it like the the ripeness of a fruit or something maybe so yeah because that makes sense why my buddy ate like like four handfuls and barely felt anything and why you could happen to you might have just got a Small. high like a high concentration in one little bite man i could i could see that happen because i'll tell you this with mushrooms is the same thing it's much probably more fluid in mushrooms i haven't noticed a big difference but there's been times i've eaten one mushroom and had a very like almost intense trip on one mushroom which doesn't make sense there's times when I've eaten a whole eighth and had a, a pleasant milder. Aren't one. the caps stronger? I honestly don't know because I, I microdose and when I eat one stem versus one cap, I feel about the same energy. Because I don't when I when I say microdose, microdose is supposed to be like 0.2 grams. I probably do more like 0.75 or a gram because I, I want to feel it. Yeah. And, and and it gives me energy and brightens my day. But one little less than a gram I can handle it. Once I start getting over that, then it starts to get a little anxious because you're not getting to the place. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if I'm gonna do more than a gram, I'm gonna do three and a half or four. So you have a lot of experience with. With, with uh, mushrooms and acid. I did a lot of LSD when I was young. The LSD I got when I was young was fucking awesome. Everything was like liquid and beautiful. And now when I get it, it's still good. But it's not as liquid and beautiful and colorful. It used to be very colorful. And honestly, I think I was getting it from William Leonard Pickard, which he says he never was ever doing. And do you know who that is? Uh-uh. I, I just finished his book, man. Um, I, I should, do, you, do you read? Yeah. Right, yep. I'll, I'll let you borrow the book, The White Rabbit. I ask that because I have a lot of friends that are just like, eh, I don't read, I don't like yeah, it, and that's fine. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's called Operation White Rabbit. So this dude was making, well, see, again, when you read the book, you'll understand. The author pretty much believes he was selling it, but he did the whole biography, and Leonard, L- 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 Leonard William Pickard never said he did, but he got arrested for manufacturing like all the world's LSD. And if you look at the, he definitely was a master chemist. He had synthesized all kinds of things. He had been arrested for LSD in the past that he had admitted to. This time he says, there was this crazy missile, missile, the guy that lived in a missile silo in Kansas, an abandoned missile silo that he bought. 
And it was like the craziest, creepiest dude that would just inject people with cocktails of drugs he made up in his basement. He was a sociopath. And he had this game he liked to play where he would just inject a girl with enough, you know, whether it was fentanyl or whatever it was, to kill her. And then he had the concoction to bring her back. So right when she was on the verge of death, he'd bring her back. And one girl died. And I think he's in prison now for it, but it took forever for them to get this guy. But William Leonard Pickard says that he set him up, that he was writing a piece because he was a professor at UCLA too. It's a lot going on in this, but yeah. William Leonard Picker was a professor at UCLA, genius dude, and and he and supposedly he was making LSD with this Skinner fella, but his thing was no, this guy was making LSD, and I was doing a story on him, and then he got arrested moving all the equipment. He was he was the one hauling all the equipment. He said he just paid me to move this stuff. I didn't know what it was. Seems a little sketchy, like he yeah. probably was doing it. I don't know, but he's a very interesting dude, man. And he wrote a book while he was in prison. He's doing two consecutive two life term uh, life sentences consecutively Done. for making acid this is a non-violent person not killing the girl no no this is the guy that just for acid the other oh, okay. guy's doing life now i'm pretty sure he's in prison for, okay. for the death of the girl but this guy's doing two life sentences didn't kill the girl and I, and it's just like so i was going to make shirts to say free william leonard pickard on him and i'm reading this book and it was the best book i've ever read because uh, i'm going to spoil the end but it's it's this is the true story is that all right yeah all right so I get to the end of the book and it's like it starts talking about COVID and how COVID affected the fucking prisons. I was like, holy shit, how new is this book? I, I, just, say, it's I was like, like this is, I, I just ordered it. Like, I need to read a book about this dude. So I ordered it, didn't realize it was like brand fucking came new. Came out yesterday. Yeah, it came out like two <laughs> months before I read it. I was like, holy shit, this is new. And he he's out of prison. Like, because of COVID, like, one of the judges is like, this old man, he's like 76 years old. Like, he's out. I was like, he got out. It's like, it's the most happy ending of any book ever. Because he was just, I mean, whether he was or wasn't, if he's making LSD, but while he was in, he was, he spent like 20 years in prison and, he, and mostly in solitary confinement too. And um, he wrote this book called The Rose of Paracelsus. And it's about the five people and they're all named after color, like crimson and um, indigo, all these different colors. And they're the five chemists that make all the acid. They're trying to enlighten the whole world, trying to create a global consciousness, a conscious awakening around the world. So these five chemists work together all over the world in secret. But he only describes four of them, tells four of them in the book. So the, the theory that a lot of the fans are is that he's the fifth and that he got caught. But really, really, and it's one of the most brilliant books I've ever read. Almost too brilliant, though. Like I was having to look up what words were. Like there'd be three words in one sentence that I didn't know. I'm like, like, I get it, man. You're really smart, but, like... Tone it tone, down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you learn a lot of new words. That, yeah. That's good. Well, I, well I, you know, the few that may have stuck. Some of them were like, when would I ever use this without sounding like a complete asshole? Yeah, yeah, like trying to be smart. <laughs> right. So, anyway, so you so you went, you went to... You didn't spend all three days in jail, though. I went or, to the hospital. Oh, they took you to the hospital. Yeah, because, like... Another thing they do for white people that other... Yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't know what was wrong. They're like... Because they, they took my blood. They're like... Nothing was in my system, like some weed. You know what I mean? They're like, we don't know what's up. Like, this oh, so you, yeah, they had to do a toxicology report to figure out, make sure you weren't gonna die. They 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 want to know what I took. They want to know why I was acting like that. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, make sure I don't die. But for three days, they had no idea. Well, for two days, they didn't know because my friend didn't tell them. But then my friend said, you know what we took, and I guess that doesn't show up as anything. It's not a drug. I mean, it's a drug, but it doesn't show up They don't up test as. for mescaline. Yeah, yeah. And also, one of the things about mescaline and, and other psychedelics is that there's no, as far as, I, as far as I know, there's no lethal dose. Even in the, the book I was just talking about, he takes what they call interplanetary doses of LSD, because when he's making it in the lab, sometimes you'd have a, a mistake and it would get into the air, the vapor. And they said he, he may have done even up, you know, close to 100,000 or more hits. Which, still if, if you eat a 10 strip, I mean... 
I've never eaten ten strips. That terrifies me. The idea of going that far into it. But they said he was a whole week, and I guess that goes down to the dose. When I said a dose of LSD only lasts eight hours, not if you take a hundred. Yeah. And that's what you don't know how much mescaline was in your system, so it only it's only supposed to last. I think mescaline actually does last a little longer. From what I've read, I've never done it. But even if it's only supposed to last eight to sixteen hours, if you ate two, if you ate double the amount, it could take. I could see it taking yeah, yeah however many yeah. days. But I don't think there's a lethal dose. That's the thing. I read something once that they said when they have people that are wigging out on acid, they go to the hospital. I've had friends that have done that. They're like, I'm freaking out. They turn themselves in. That They can't do anything for you. They can give you some benzos to calm you down or something. But they said the one, one thing doctors will do is they'll, they'll say, oh, hold on. I'll be right back. I have a real, a real problem I have to deal with. And just saying that to the person makes them like, what do you mean? This isn't a real problem. And that actually calms them down. Like, oh, this isn't serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not. Because you're going to be fine. There's no yeah. amount of acid or mushrooms you can do. It has to run its course. It's going to run its course. And you're going to be fine unless there's a slightest chance that if you have that schizophrenic gene, and that's not even completely been tested, yeah. whether or not that you would have that would have opened up anyway, unlocked, whatever. There's no percentage of people that have done LSD that are schizophrenic. There's no higher amount. Yeah. But there are people that that thing kind of clicked on when they had a, a drug wig out experience. So I don't know. But... When I came back, man, I remember, like, I changed all my friends. They, like, I remember, like, seeing people different. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how to explain that, but, like, I could, like, feel, pe- feel people's vibes more, whatever that means. Well, it, opened, it opened you up a little it bit. It opened me up, dude, where I was like, why am I, I don't, like, I don't have anything in common. Like, even my girlfriend, I was like, I don't even know why we're hanging out. Like, she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't, you know, I don't even know, like, what we're doing. Like, we were just so different. Like, even, like, to that, I mean, my mom, I was like. Are you even my? I like look at her like. Are you even my mom? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even know. Like, are you sure I came from you? Like, just weird shit. She's like, yeah. Like, I was there. So like, just I shit. I never would ever th- even think about before. I was like actually like thinking about and like really like trying to be like, why do I think that way? You know, it just made me think about myself. Yeah. And why I thought ways and that's why I think acid does. Like at first, I think people get scared because it can't be like. Uh, it's like someone's pointing out all your bad features or, you know, all the shit that you don't like about yourself. Well, it highlights your ego, but it shows you shows you what it is separately than really what you are. And you start getting scared of losing that. And it starts to, and you start. And you let you, that go. You're like. Well, once you let it go, you feel fine. But you're trying to hold on to it. But it's also a creepy, weird. It, it, things get very confusing. And, and then you almost feel like you're going to die. But it is a death, sort of. It's, it's a death and revert, rebirth. Death, death of certain thoughts in my mind. Yeah. But it's it's almost like the way I look at it, it's it's putting myself there, looking at all the things I know, but just being okay with it. You know, be like, yeah, that's that's who you are, man. Like that's what acid does for me. At first, I'm like, if I get all the the paranoia, whatever, like, oh man, I haven't changed that, whatever, whatever it is. But by the end of the trip, I'm usually just sitting there, like, whether I hate it or love it, I'm still just the same person. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, just be a, whatever it is, just either change it or be okay with it. That's all you can really do. That's it. And I, I think one thing psychedelics show me is the interconnected interconnectivity of you and everything else. The idea that we need the same air to breathe. We have to, and I feel like that's one reason why I, I do lean left when it comes to politics. And that's as far as I'm going to say about politics. But um, my biggest thing is not the financial and all that. I get the Republicans on that side. I understand they want to have jobs and, and these things. But the planet is an extremely important thing for me. And I don't think that people understand what's happening right now because, for one, there's a lot of misinformation about climate change on social media. And 
that's the psychedelics showed me, right? Like I remember one one of the best trips I had was me and my, my friend Ian and um, a big group of us, uh, Megan was there. We all went down to the beach and we ate mushrooms. And, and it was one of those beautiful sunsets with the colors. And I remember laying, floating in the water and just... Out in the ocean? Out, yeah, out in the Gulf. And just my ears submerged and just feeling just like the connect. And then I remember I sat up for a second and Ian said, man, do you realize like this water is connected to every other ocean on the planet and those things that that when you're when when somebody's sober here they go far out dude yeah, yeah but it is when you're experiencing that drug you're like oh my god and you just lay there back in the water and i remember our friend our friend blake grabbed a, like a lawn chair that was on the beach and just took it into the water with us and sat with just his head above the water sitting there just looking out and i was so i'm laughing at him but also experiencing it and it was just this beautiful moment of like we are all in this together more than this whole the, the way that expression is now used for covid we're all in this together meanwhile we're everybody's wanting to kill each other but no it's it's such a deep feeling and so so when you did this masculine trip that in, ended up being arrested did you have any of that feeling at all or was it kind of just too much straight into the thick of it to where you just couldn't get the positive experience from it i don't think anything positive came from it other than questioning my thoughts i, I think i was too young to well, you had no guide. And, and that's the thing. Psychedelics isn't a cure-all. If you just do this, you're going to have the best experience and you're going to change for the better. I wasn't doing it to try to get anything either. You're, you're I trying was to get trying high. To, yeah. I, you know, I was, thought I was smoking weed and going to laugh with my friends for a couple hours, go home. That You know, that's what happened for the whole year that I was smoking weed up to that point. I didn't do any other drugs. Like, I was just, I just smoked pot, drank every now and then. Like, yeah. I never did a drug. So this was my first experience with, like, any mind besides pot, which I know is, but it wasn't. This intensity was something I weren't expecting. weren't expecting. Even even if I felt that now, I would have to like go away, or you know what I mean, like or like you have have it set up where you want to have it I set trust. up. Where it's like if you have people you trust, you have the music you want to hear, you have a djembe you can sit there. Cause sometimes you're sitting there, hit the drum, just get in your own world with the drum. Stuff like that can help. I don't like the well. I say I don't like the trip that hard, but mushrooms for me. If I take, you know, I usually the most I take is four grams. I know the hero dose is five grams. But I can handle pretty hard trip on mushrooms. And do you and drink too, or do you just? Trip? I I usually have a few drinks before I I just to loosen up. But then I as soon as it kicks in, I I don't have any taste for alcohol. I go to water. Yeah. And then even when I'm like vaping, like I vape with my beers. As soon as that kicks in, I have no no desire to vape, no desire to it's just water. And even then, it's just a little water. Mostly just dancing, listening to music. Yep. And then once I start to come down, I think that's my biggest problem is once I start to come down, I start to be like, all right, I need to go to bed, so I'll start pounding some drinks. And then I have a hangover the next day. But the times I haven't done that, when I've just had one or two beers and went to bed, I wake up feeling like refreshed. I'm like, oh my God, I feel great today. That's the way to do it. But yeah, when you're young, when you're you're 17, thrown into a trip with no, no explanation to here's what's going to happen, here's what you can experience. It's like, good luck. Yeah. I, I was, I think I was, I want to say 17, I might have been 16 when I first tried LSD, but. And what you did apparently was a lot stronger than the LSD I did, but still the LSD was strong. Things were melting, and I thought I was gonna lose my mind forever. And I was—I actually told my buddy, I was like, I was like, I think I'm gonna turn myself in. <laughs> and he had done it too. He's like, No, the hell you're not. And he's like, How yeah. long did it last? It lasted all day, but the thing is, like, you know, all the whole school day. But you took it during school. Yeah, that was the problem. Wow. Is I took it before school because we'd always get high before school. So I was like, I'll eat some LSD, and then it, it kicked in, and it was like. All of a sudden, I was like, I am not okay. And I went and I told my buddy. And we had second period together. I told this story on the first podcast with Mike O'Neill. But yeah, we had second period together. I walked out into the 
into the hall once the bell rang and um and he looked at me because he's smiling he's tripping and he looks at me and he's like oh no he could see my face he's like you're, you're all right i was like nah nah he's like we had luckily we had second period together so we sat together and he's like i was like dude i think i'm gonna turn myself in man i'm just gonna i won't tell him about you he's like no you're not shut the fuck up i was like all right all right luckily he was there and and i remember like i, I put my head down and then oh well, no we had a special guest speaker it was a navy seal came into that so all of a sudden there's just this navy seal in his uniform which is like the weird authoritarian figure like i was like all right this is strange and then the teacher walks up to me and hands me a piece of paper and on the piece of paper it says how do i become a navy seal he's like ask that like at, like i want you to ask that question when he asks for questions and first of all like i couldn't think of that question like that's the stupid like, most basic <laughs> question but anyway i'm like um nah and i looked at dustin he, and dustin grabbed the, the paper from me he's like I'll ask. <laughs> I, was, I don't know how he was able to, but I was like, all right, man. I was like, I'm going to put my head down. And he just told the teacher, he's like, he's not feeling well. And I just put my head down. He's like, teacher thought it was okay. If you're not feeling good, put your head down. He's like, then you were laughing the whole time your head was down. Because the shit I started seeing when I closed my eyes was crazy. And then I was still kind of freaking out after that was lunch. And when we went to lunch. Like I, I hung out with my friends and they brought milk because milk brought you down is what we were told. I don't know why, because there's no way that's true. But just the placebo of that, of me drinking the milk and thinking, okay. yeah. my next period, I was still chipping balls. It was geometry and all the geometric figures they had hanging from the ceiling were spinning. And it, it became magical. Like I was like, this was, it was the best experience ever. So that's why I kept doing LSD. I was like, all right, once you get over that initial freak out and you realize this is a drug, I'm high, I'm going to come down. It was fucking awesome. I couldn't imagine being in school. That was my biggest mistake. Again, set and setting. Worst setting ever. My first psychedelic experience was at school. Granted, we, we got fucked up at school, man. We did. Because the only, thing I, only class I liked was art. I wanted to be an art major, and I, I failed art because she didn't like my drawings because they were demonic. I was into Marilyn Manson and Slipknot and shit when I was in high school. I was just a, you know, one of those kids. I skateboarded and like, hated my parents. But were and, the drawings good? Yeah. Getting, well, fuck her then. Yeah, no, she sent me to emergency <laughs> mental health. Like, they called, like, the... And, and the, mer the mental health people looked at my drawings and, like, eh, he's a kid. Decent, yeah. yeah like, let him draw whatever yeah, he whatever. wants. But she wouldn't let me... T well, then I got caught smoking cigarettes in her class. That was a funny story, so... Because we, we would get super baked before class, like, super high. Like, smoke blunts in the car and maybe drink a Boone's Farm. <laughs> and then I go to class, and I'm just, like... And, and I was... She hated me because of my satanic drawings that and whatever and they weren't even really satanic they're like Kurt Cobain and Cesticide kind of like little things with horns jumped like I would add to like the drawing we were supposed to do I don't know so I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm we're working on a project and I was showing somebody this time and I was like hey I'm thinking I'm gonna do this and she's like outside now you're not allowed to talk I'm like it's fucking art class I'm like, like fine so she sent me in a chair in the middle of a bus parking lot which right outside of the school was the bus parking lot right outside of the door of the art room so it's an abandoned bus parking lot because all the buses are gone at the time so I, so she sits me uh, sits a chair. This is like a Pink Floyd video. Like I'm sitting in a chair in the middle of a parking lot, looking at, at just an empty parking lot and on a chair. Now I know when I'm sitting when she sits me there what I'm doing there. But then I fucking passed out because we were super high and I was drunk and I just fell asleep. I don't know. I'm not out for probably 15 minutes. And when I woke up, I had no idea where I was. I was like, I'm sitting on a chair in the middle of an abandoned parking lot what the fuck is going on so my first instinct was i grabbed a cigarette out of my jacket pocket and lit up that just like just like what the oh, fuck shit. how did i get here and then i heard what are you doing and then it all came back to me it's like i'm at school god wow. damn it 
So I got suspended, and she said I wasn't allowed to take art class anymore. The only other elective that was available was Bible class in a public school. But this is the Bible Belt, North Carolina. So I had to take, and granted, it's like, it's not like a Bible class where you pray. It's like the history of the Bible or something. But mm. I was in there with a bunch of Christian kids that wanted to take the class. And I'm like, I wanted to be in art class drawing demons. And now I'm in Christian class studying the Bible. That's tough. Yeah, so I just dropped that of school. I dropped, really? Yeah, I dropped that out of high school. GED? I got my GED. Went, went to, did two semesters in college. And then I quit to play music. And I kept saying I was going to go back. But it never happened. Because I'm, now I'm it's like, and do what? Get back a, for get college? A, yeah, I'm yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I've talked about doing is get a degree in psychiatry or psychology. And um, maybe get a master's in psychology. Because all these all these cities that are, are legalizing psychedelics. Like if I had a master's in psychology, I could go work at one of those centers and guide people through their trips legally. Can I ask you a dope. question about a different drug? Yeah. Ketamine? All right. I've, I, well, I've done ketamine um, back in the day when it was a, a rave drug. But Do you I, know like they're doing it like in yeah, stores? Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to get one of the ketamine people on the podcast. I'm still going to reach out. But the, when I, the way I reached out first was to try to do it. So I, I think made, you can. No, you can. It's I made, expensive, I'm, though. That's the thing. I made an appointment, and they were like, um, you have to do all six sessions over two grand, right, or something? Four grand. Four grand. You have to have all the money up front. Insurance doesn't pay it. And I actually contemplated doing it. I was actually going to do it because, honestly, I think it would help me. What for? For depression. And I do I do fight depression. And at the time, I was going through – and I, I go through phases with it. Right now, I am not depressed at all. I'm in a very good place. and I, But I know it comes in waves. I, I, I don't think I'm bipolar. I think it's more of a natural wave. Like, bipolars are those extreme waves. Mine aren't as extreme. But I do get depressed, and then I get in up uplifted moods. I think uplifting is just normal, how I should be, and yeah. then I get depressed. Yeah. But um, but no, I think ketamine would be awesome. But um, again, four thousand dollars. I really I weighed it, and I was like, I don't need it. That like it's not, and I and I want to do it more for the experience of it. And there's I brought this up. Michael Pollan talks about it in his book, How to Change Your Mind. It's about psychedelics. Uh, the term is the betterment of well people. Like just because I'm not fucked up in the head or I'm not depressed. That doesn't mean I couldn't be in a better place because yeah. we all have things that, that 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 cut into our souls, like our mortality. That one hits me hard. I'm, I'm almost 40. I'm starting to think like this isn't going to go on forever. And that's a terrifying thought when you don't have religion to back it up. You're like, oh, I'm going to get to go to the sky and be in the castle. When you don't have that, it's like, well, I'm going to do what? Maybe go to the DMT realm. That's what I'm kind of counting on. Yeah, go, go, yeah. Go into that, whatever dimension that is. I don't know. I do think it could be something else, but it also could be nothing else. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. That's why you got to do whatever the fuck you want now. And, and you should be able to, right? If you want to have these experiences, whatever drug it is, whether it's heroin, the thing is, it shouldn't be like, go buy heroin from this guy and he'll sell you as much as you want until you can't afford it. Then you're going to have to rob your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. It should be doctor situation. Make sure you're not going to get addicted. Make it as safe as possible. How weed is now. Well, no. Well, no. Medical. Weed in Florida, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, medical weed. With, with, with heroin, you have to be more careful. I, I like Dr. Carl Hart and I read his stuff. He's a little more open about the idea of heroin than me because I've had opiate withdrawals. He has too. He did it on purpose just to go through it. And he, he does, recreation does heroin. It was a New York Times piece about him because he's a professor at Columbia University. And he's openly said he likes to do heroin and cocaine and he thinks that they should be legal. If I, I'm going to, and he's right. In my pursuit of happiness, why can't I do these drugs? But there's a huge problem with people having an unlimited supply. So it shouldn't be a for-profit, let's see how much heroin we can sell. Let's say if you really, if you, if it's something you think you need, you go talk to a doctor and actually be counseled on it and make sure you're not going to go the wrong direction. But um, but that's kind of what Oxycontin became. Yeah, because that's my problem, right? Is they say, well, the problem with uh, 
heroin and things is that it's on the street and that it's unregulated. They don't know the dosage and there's fentanyl in it and all that. And that's all, I, that's all 100% true. That's the reason we have as many deaths as we have. Over 200 a day last year. And, um, and it's, it's horrible because they don't have to be there. If people could go get the drugs that they wanted from a doctor, like heroin, and then get counseling, you could get some of them off of it. Some of them would stay on it, but they're already going to stay on it on the streets. They're just going to be more likely to die. But a lot of these people got addicted to a regulated dose of Oxycontin that they were stealing from a family member or were prescribed from a pill mill. So you can't just tell me if it's regulated and, and, it's, and it's available that it's not going to be as much of a problem because it still is an addiction. So you have to make it, but the pill mills were also pushing hundreds of tablets at a time to people. So you, you need to make it more like, we're going to make sure your dose is what's in your body. You're going to take it here. You're going to come here and do this. And also you're going to go to counseling. Why are you doing this? Some of them are schizophrenic. And they said the schizophrenic medicine is very uncomfortable for some of the patients, but it does help the voices go away. Heroin also helps the voices go away, and it's not uncomfortable. It's actually pleasant. So a lot of schizophrenics choose heroin over these antipsychotic medications. I'm sorry. If you're schizophrenic and you have voices talking in your fucking head and you want to do some heroin, you should have the right to fucking do heroin. I, I couldn't imagine that disease. You kind of, yeah, me neither. You kind of just described a methadone clinic to me. Well, methadone, the problem with methadone is that it's not as enjoyable as the heroin. The other, But don't they make you take it there? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, they do. No, it's so yeah. you make sure you, that you have. The, they do, and if you if you and if you keep testing negative for other drugs, eventually some of the clinics will give you take home. If you have a doctor, you, they can. If you if you have this is another interesting thing that I was reading about. If you when the methadone clinics first opened up, that's where you went to get your stuff, and then another law passed that said we think physicians should be able to prescribe methadone to their patients. So then people with the health insurance and people that had jobs that were at the methadone clinic went to their doctors. The people who didn't have health insurance, the you know, the people that weren't doing as good who are on methadone had to wait outside in line at the methadone clinic. So when people would drive by the methadone clinic and see addicts, they got a distorted view of what an addict was because the people that weren't looking like them that were also addicts were at the doctors getting theirs. Mm. So all you were seeing was the the lower crust of society. I don't know if crust is a bad word because yeah, I'm not talking yeah. shit about these people. No. But you're, that's who you're seeing standing out there. But yeah, methadone clinics are... Um, the problem there should there should be heroin clinics is basically what I'm saying because they have heroin clinics in Switzerland they have overdoses down to about zero, addictions down because people go to a heroin clinic they all of a sudden they're getting a regular dose of heroin they're a place able, to do it in a clean needle right a place to do it clean needle it's affordable they're able to keep their jobs they start to reestablish the relationships with their family and then a lot of them decide once that happens is they don't want to be on drugs anymore and they stop in this country that does not happen and we have a bad habit of. Uh, when we, when we give statistics from another country of saying, well, that's not how we do it here in America because we don't need to take advice from those Switzerlands. We say shit like that, but it's like, but why not? If they had the same problems we had 20 years ago with addiction, they did, because the United States forced our drug policies all over the globe because after World War II, we were the fucking imperial nation. So our drug laws became everybody else's drug laws, including Asia. And if you look at places like Indonesia, they're murdering people for possession. So, and that's because of drug laws that we've, we started. And now it doesn't look like that they're going to finish anytime soon because while we're legalizing pot finally here, they're still murdering people for it over there. I think if something works anywhere in the world, it should go, you know what I mean? It should be everywhere. Like like you said, with the whole Switzerland thing. Like, Yeah. Look at the data. Does it work? Insane. And then people go, well, the, well, Switzerland does. If you look at the population, Switzerland's the same size as, you know, California. We have so many more people. I was like, well, I, well, let's try it in California then. It's what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter how. And you know what? California will be the first to do it, or Oregon. Oregon just decriminalized drugs. Um, 
I don't think California's done it yet, but it's on. It's going to be on the ballot the next so election. So you can have heroin in Oregon, and it's like a crime, like a fine. It's like a speeding ticket. No. Way. If it's a personal amount. What about cocaine? Any, any, dr- drug. any drug. Any drug. And that's how it should be. If you have a personal amount of whatever you have on you, why is that a crime? What if you're high on it? Well, if you're driving, then it would be a DUI. Okay. It's just like anything else. Um, but you know, and that really bothered me about marijuana. Is as soon as they talked about legalizing it, the biggest question is, well, how do we stop people from driving on it? And my question is. Is it a problem? Are people dying in accidents because people are stoned? Because it's not. People are high right now driving. They, oh, they have been because they could buy it illegally. We Drunk drivers are more dangerous. But you know what else is crazy? People on their cell phones is six times more dangerous than drunk driving. That, that was according to um, like one of the, uh, I don't remember, the national statistics for the traffic safety or something but it was six times more dangerous to talk in your, or to be texting than it is to be driving drunk I'm like well how come if I have a few beers at my gig and decide to drive home and I get pulled over for a taillight and I'm not swerving and I'm fine but the cops don't alcohol I can it can basically ruin my life I can have to pay for a blow thing in my car it's going to cost me $10,000 in legal fees I'm going to have a permanent criminal record if I'm a nurse I, I lose my license all these things happen but if I get caught texting it's it's basically they won't even pull you over for it and if, if they do they can write you a ticket that's it but it's six times more dangerous and what it is is they fucking our, our culture hates people that, that use drugs and, and, and but there's such a such a paradox with alcohol because alcohol is so promoted in this culture that if you don't do it well what's wrong with you but if you get caught driving with it then you're a piece of shit and we're gonna fuck your life up for, for the longest time coming it's like they say it's okay to do but when they catch you doing it they can't take your money or like you said yeah, they're gonna fuck you over really bad. But they, they say it's okay to do. Just don't. Well, do it's, it. it's weird with the point oh eight thing because point oh eight is very low anyway. But also, you can blow a point oh four, and if they want to give you a DUI, they can. They can. They can arrest you and book you. Now you're gonna have a better case to fight it, and they probably won't book you because they know you're gonna beat that. But they can still take you to jail. They can put you in a cage. Yeah, that's. that's I mean, it looks every, bad. Every time I hear that song. Glad to be an American, or at least I know I'm free. <laughs> yeah. I just want to have that song playing, which is pictures of people behind bars. Because we have more people behind bars in this country than any other country in the world. More than China. So A lot of time for non-violent crimes. Exactly. Just like They, say, they say there's or... slightly more people behind bars for violent crimes than non-violent, but, but it's way too close. But the thing is, a lot more people are arrested and locked up for non-violent crimes. Their sentences aren't as long, so there's a big turnover for them. So technically, you have a lot more people arrested for non-violent crimes than for violent crimes. It's just that if you murder somebody, you're going to be there your whole life. If you get caught with an ounce of weed, you might only you might get out in three months. So that turnover is bigger. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, is why why the fuck are we locking people up? And it goes and the new Jim Crow with their argument is well. It's, it's not about the amount of time they do. It's about the felony charge you can give them. So now that we don't have to give them welfare, we don't have to give them housing, we don't have to give them a job, we don't have to... Affirmative action doesn't apply to them anymore. All these things we can strip from them if and, we can just give them that felony charge. And if you do arrest them, they're either going to be a free slave for their jail time oh, or yeah. have to pay money, probation. You know what I mean? They're like a slave either way. Oh, yeah. Oh, in yeah. Jail well, you're, and you're, that's what they call uh, mass incarceration doesn't just include people locked in, up in cages. It's all, there's also people incarcerated that are that you would think as, as free, but they're not because they, if they know. if they because they have to get regular drug tests if they smoke weed two days before and they get caught and you could argue well they shouldn't smoke weed well it's not that easy when people have fucking they can't get a job because they've been dubbed a criminal and and they're having all these problems in their life well maybe they want a little reprieve for a second by and we're talking about blunt. freedom here too yeah. yeah oh yeah also you should have the freedom to get high in your own home but they don't and also there's a whole new movement happening with ankle bracelets because it's cheaper. So basically, you turn people's own homes into their own prisons. 
And obviously, if it was my choice, I would choose to have an ankle bracelet in my own home than a prison. And that's that's fair. But it, if, if it makes it that much easier for them to control people and trap people, whether you're trapping them in their own home or in a jail cell, you're still trapping them. It's not freedom. And the fact that our country is, gonna be, is already the first to have the biggest mass incarceration of any country in the history of the world. Uh, interesting thing I read, they said it's most likely the case that we are the first civilization in the history of the world to have more men raped than women. And that's not to say anything great about, like, women dudes shouldn't be raping, raped either. Dudes raping but dudes. it's because so many dudes are being raped by dudes in prisons that there's actually more men being raped in the first society ever where that's been the case. Do girls rape guys? I don't think so. I mean, not really. I, I don't know. That's I, not a thing, right? Not really. Uh, <laughs> Just curious. I don't, I don't even know about I know there's I'm sure there's sexual violence in women's prisons also, but it's nothing like men. Men are assholes, and they, and they, they want to just... Fight or fuck. Yeah. And, or argue. And it's, or I think it's like if you see a dog humping another dog, right? It's a dominance thing. So it's yeah. like, well, I'm going to fucking show you, motherfucker. And then, but just, just that thought, though, that, that, our, that our society, and it's created by this country, again, land of the free. And when people hear this, if they're like, if people start to feel, if you start to feel uncomfortable when I, when I make fun of that song, you need to look inside yourself because what I'm saying is true. It doesn't mean I hate America. I love this country because this is my home. I was born here. I have family here. I want us all to live better. So what I want to do is put the middle finger up to that fucking song until you fix the things and make it a solid free country. Then I'll sing with you. But I agree, man. Dude, I just went to court. I told you last time I wrecked my car. Like I wrecked my car. I hit a fucking tree. Like You know what I mean? And I got my insurance, whatever. They tried to charge me for a hit and run saying I hit a sign down the road. What? Yeah. They said they, that they found debris from my car down there. They didn't? I Dude, my, my whole car was still intact. I grabbed what I, you know, everything oh. that was there. So they tried to just pin it. I, I'm paying for it so I can get it off my record, pretty much. Really? I could have went to court and, like, went to trial. But if I would have got, like, if they would have said I'm guilty, it would have been on my record. It would have been, like, right. some bad shit. So, so I took diversion. That's like a plea deal, sort of. Yeah. I got to do, like, community service and pay for that sign. You know, oh, community service. What do you gotta do? Pick up trash or something? They at any nonprofit. I'm gonna try to pay for it if I can and get out of it that way. With like, just yeah, pay you money and not do it. Yeah, I had to do that, man. I hate, I hate that stuff, man. What do like, you do? I I oh, for the community service or for community for the crime, the crime to get to get it. I think I got caught with pot. I caught with the pot plant. That was uh, I was 18, living in this trailer. My but um, it was a crazy, crazy ass story. I don't remember if I've told this on the podcast. So. We living in a trailer, my buddy's selling weed, and one day my buddy that sells weed was at his job and he kept he kept his weed with him there. But we, we were just out of high school. So everybody that we went to high school with before we lived in the trailer, the, the, the people that hadn't went off to college and also the people that were in the class below us, they would all, as soon as school got out, they would be at our trailer. So our trailer was a party place, everybody bought their weed there. And um, one day we're just hanging out there, it's just me, my David Buckley, who has been a guest on here, me and him were hanging out and my sister was there. And I look out the window and all of a sudden this car pulls up and this dude jumps out with like an AK-47 assault rifle and he's running at the house. And I'm like, and I'm just, I, I was like, Buckley, lock the door, Buckley, lock the door. And, and he just kind of stood there like confused, like what, like what? I'm like, and they just, before we knew it, they were in the house. My sister was hiding in the closet and they were, they had the gun to my head. Older sister or younger? Younger sister, Kristen, she's on, she's been on the podcast too. So she said, so she's in the closet, and then they held the gun to my head. If it said, if there's anybody else in here, and you don't tell me now, I'm gonna shoot him in the head. So I was like, Kristen, Kristen, come out here. 
I think she's scared. The cop said that. No, this no. This these are these, these are fucking just dudes robbing us. Okay. With AK gun forty seven, oh, they run in the house. So one dude has brass knuckles. He's like the big guy standing back. Another guy has the gun. He like pistol whipped me, if that's what you would call it. When he like basically stabbed me in the head with the barrel of the AK forty seven, and and um, all I had was five bucks on me, and I think uh, Kristen had five bucks, and David didn't have anything. So they got ten bucks from us. They smashed a mirror. They left, and I immediately called the cops. No, bud. They no, didn't we, we didn't have anything. Wow. Uh, and so they left, and I, I immediately called the cops. I didn't even think about why they robbed us. It, I, this is how dumb I was when I was 17 and um, getting super high. I was just like, why would, what, you know, I didn't put, it's like clearly somebody told them we were selling weed out of here, and they, and they came to rob us from that, but Randy wasn't there. Um, so I called the cops. So the cops immediately are like, all right, we got a drug house. They figured it out fast. So immediately they're going to start watching our house, building up a case when they can search us. I didn't know any of this. Cause I'm just like back to back to normal business. We're back to selling weed. Back to or my roommates are. I made no money off of any of that. And I'm not saying that for the podcast. I would freely admit I have sold drugs before actually, but I was very bad at it because I just did them too much. So I ne- never did it often. But anyway, so a few months later, dude comes up to the house. We have a bunch of people there. Everybody's hanging out and partying, and we had guys that would sell pills there. So we'd be taking Xanax, all kinds of shit. And this dude shows up with a gun, uh, or he shows up with his boss's car to buy weed, and, he, and his boss has a gun in the in the glove box, and he's showing it off to everybody. He's like, check out this 9 millimeter, click, click, click. And he's just like ca- kind of dorky kid who's got his boss's car. So then he puts the gun back in the glove box, doesn't lock the car, and goes inside to buy weed from Randy. So when he comes back outside, the gun's gone. And he's like, he comes up to me, because I'm the person he knew through the girl I was dating, and it was friends of him. He's like, Aaron... I need that gun, man. You don't. My boss is nobody to fuck with. I was like, all right, well, you shouldn't have fucking left your car unlocked. There's like 30 people here, man. I was like, I have no idea who took your gun. He said, you got to find out. I was like, how the fuck could I find out? I have these people I don't even know. Somebody stole your gun. That's that's all I know, and it's that, and it's your fault. So later that night, I get a call from my girlfriend. She's in the car with that boss, with that dude's boss and the dude, and she's crying. She says she has a gun to her head. They're coming to my house and they want their gun. So I was like, well, fuck that. I'm leaving. So I was like, all drugs out of the house now. So we got everything out. I left. I went straight to her dad's house. Her dad was crazy. I was like, hey, they're coming to my house with guns. They got your daughter to a gun to her head. And he grabs a shotgun. He's like, let's go. So I'm in the car with him. He has a shotgun. We're going back to my trailer. We also, her mom called the cops. So the cops are coming there. So when we get there, the cops are like, the guys with the guns all have permits. Who had, who had my girlfriend held up. Like they all have permits, so they're legal. I was like, well, they, my mom's my mom's there at the time too. She got caught because she's a property owner, so she's like, well, why don't you, like they had they were holding her hostage. Yeah, it's not legal to hold it to her. And head. They, they said that's just her word versus theirs. Like they say they were not doing that. But what, what they they did say that your gun got stolen, so we would like to search the premises for the stolen gun. And I didn't realize that they've been having a case for our house forever to search for the drug thing. And I didn't even think about that. So when I'm like, sure, you can search the house for for the gun, because I knew I got all the drugs out. So I was like, sure, search the house for the gun. Immediately, I gave him the green light to search the house. Detectives, gloves on, like they were ripping. It was like this was a, the big case they had been waiting for. No. And only thing that I had that I forgot that I had was a little pot plant that I was just growing for fun in the window. I had a pot seed from the ashtray. I threw it in some soil, and, and it had like four little leaves on it and was budding in the window. That was all. And they go like, well, we found this. They charged me with two felonies and two misdemeanors for that one little plant. It was felony manufacturing, felon and maintain, felony maintaining a, and dwelling a home of drug dealing or something, uh, misdemeanor paraphernalia, and misdemeanor possession, all for that little plant. But that's the best charges they could possibly throw on one plant 
because I guarantee they've been working on that case for months, thinking they were about to do a big bust, and that's all they fucking got. I bet you they got chewed out by their boss for that, which I love. And of course, the felonies didn't stick. You got them dropped? Yeah, the felonies. I still have the misdemeanors on my, ch- my record, which has mm-hmm. held me back from getting jobs. But um, but that's why I did a community service. So I wow. pick up trash. I'll never forget, too, I was in Gastonia, and I, I, when, when I had to do I, I right after that, I moved to Atlanta with my buddy. And... Um, and I, I came back to Gastonia to do my community service, and I was just got done picking up trash on the street. So I had my shitty big flannel clothes, dirty clothes, whatever, to pick up trash. And I'm sitting on the corner. So I look like a homeless guy kind of sitting on the corner waiting for my mom to pick me up. And I'm wearing, like, trashy clothes just sitting on the sidewalk in the corner of downtown Gastonia. And this random car pulls up, and this dude's like got 50 bucks in his hands like hey man i'll give you 50 bucks you let me suck your dick and i swear to god i was like what the fuck like, i'm living in atlanta i heard atlanta's dangerous here i am gastonia i've never heard i was like uh no nah, i'm good man and he did a lap around the block and he came back he's like are you sure i was like get the fuck out of here dude like he probably thought i was like a homeless heroin addict and he might have been an undercover cop trying to see if i'd solicit you know i don't know what the fuck it was but it was just fucking that's strange in, that's insane dude <laughs> i've never been at something like that that's the only time, man. It was fucking weird. I was like, get the fuck out of here, dude. That's it. That's insane. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, community service. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to do a non They said any nonprofit. That's what my lawyer said. I so, can do it at any nonprofit. So, what does that mean? Like, I, uh, I got to find a nonprofit. Like, I just went Tuesday. Like a soup trying, kitchen or something? I, yeah, I have no idea. Like, I just went Tuesday, and I'm still waiting to get like the details. Of you know exactly how many hours and places you could pick. I, yeah. I remember my second. I did community service another day after that. There was a few different days. One of them was just at the local uh, airfield, like uh, be the equivalent of Page Field. There was like a building that needed painting on the inside, and they just dropped us off with this dude, and we helped him paint. It was and it was For easy. Hours, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a few hours, but it wasn't that bad in in the AC. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna try to. I even told my lawyer like, man, if I can just pay, because I can go do a couple shows and give them three hundred bucks. Much rather that than go spend 24 hours. That's true. I don't know if that was an option back then. I know it wasn't for me financially when yeah, I was 18. It is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I could just pay whatever, I'd much rather do that than... I think I might have to do a, uh, an online class, too, because it was a hit and run. So I might have to do, like, a driving class. Um, I'm still waiting to get the details. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. Um, he said an hour of online schooling. But, Yeah. Yeah, um, I just can't believe. I honestly can't believe they charged me with that because one, I didn't hit the sign. I wasn't even down there. I did hit the tree and mess up my car, but I, I took care of all that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they just pinned that on me. I think to get me, you know, to fix the sign. Maybe someone else messed it up. Where was it at? <laughs> you played the West Wind before, or you know I've where been that there. is? Um, instead, of, like if you leave, if you turn left instead of right, it's like a dead end, but it's like two miles. It's down there. Uh-huh. I just got my car and I was just like, you know, fucking around a little bit. Driving fast. Yeah. I hated fucking tree, man. I was only going like 35. Well, at least you didn't get tree. hurt, man. Like, that could be deadly. Dude, that's yes, what I'm saying. The fact that I can get it off my record, like, yeah, with, with nothing. Yeah, definitely could be worse things. And I, driving school, I'm not sure about. Because, I mean, I've had many driving things, like, with, like, tickets in the past that didn't involve any kind of school. Hopefully the only time I had to do driving class was fucking when I got caught with pot. I didn't do you a driving class? For you DUI school. Uh, you got a DUI? No. If you, this is the law, I swear to God. I, so I got caught with pot in Georgia going to Bonnaroo in 2014. And, um, and when I got back, I talked to one of my buddy's lawyer's friends, and he said, yeah, I'd, I'd worry about losing your driver's license. 
And I thought he was just a bad lawyer, honestly. And I hated to say it because he's my buddy's friend, but I was just like, there's no way that dude knows what the fuck he's talking about. He knew, he knew what he was talking about because there's a law. Because it just didn't make sense to me. I was like, no, no way, that's true. I wasn't driving. Nope, if you get caught with any drug in Florida or Georgia, and they have it together that they work, they work, communicate the charges together on this with the DMVs of each state. It's not with, so my, my sentencing at the court was do this 12 hour drug class, counseling class, and then pay this fine and be on probation for three months and pay for that. So all in all, $2,500 probably worth of shit. And this drop, it's not even on your record, you're done. I was like, all right, I mean, it's, it's all bullshit. This is horrible crap. But I'll do it. Yeah. Then I get done, and they're like, "All right, you're not quite done. You just have to go to this place." And then, and then they do an evaluation, and what that means is that they're going to send you to a three-month DUI school. And even though you've done everything the court said you had to do, they're like, "Yeah, if you surrender your driver's license for two years, you're done. You're good. But if you don't, we're going to take. I mean, we'll take it." And when you do those classes, now they're going to continue to drug test you for the three months training classes. And if you fail, it'll go to your probation officer and you immediately get 30 days in jail. Because in Fort Myers, they don't let you out of jail. If, you've been, if you violate probation and you go to jail, they won't let you out until your court date. They won't let you set bail because one time, one person set bail after violating probation and shot a cop. And somehow that means that all of us are going to do that now. It's the stupidest shit ever. So, that, so I, I mean, I just quit doing drugs. But I was in that class with some kids that were young and just got would fail a pot test at one of those things and go back, right back to the probation officer. And it's not that, it's like, yeah, it's like you're fucking stupid. You Like, don't do that. But when the kids are 18 years old, they don't, I would have done the same thing. My friend would have handed me a blunt and be like, dude, you ain't got a class for three days. Yeah, you're right. And then you and then you fail and like that's going to screw your whole rest of your career up. You're not going to be able to get a job anywhere because you violated probation. It's all bullshit. But yeah, three months of DUI classes for not, I wasn't driving. Not even driving. That's what my buddy was telling me. He's like, you might have to do some, uh, like therapy, they might try to send you to like a, uh, eval- like you said, you went to evaluation. Well, if you do, if you have to go to an evaluation, that's never good because I think they're just sending it for the money. They're like, all right, you're evaluated. Because I literally, I knew how to fill it out. Do you, how often do you drink? I was like, never. How, you know, just boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom. Yeah. And they're like, all right, well, sound, you know, you have a, you have a, a addiction problem. I was like, what? So they made yeah because they want money. They want and you they, to keep they, going. And, to and the they said class. they said well you said that the doctor told you not to drink as much as you are. I was like. I never said that. Like that never, I'm not, stu- I think I'm retarded. First of all, my doctor's never told me that. Second of all, I, even if my doctor did, I would never say that to you. I know what the valuation is. Oh, my doctor said I shouldn't drink, but I keep drinking. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Stupid. They just made up some shit I said so they could, because I guarantee they get kickbacks from all those classes I had to pay for. That's exactly what he said. He's like, just tell him. He's like, what he was saying is don't go in there and like, because he, he was like, dude, a lot of people will go there and like tell them their problems because one, you have to do it. And it's like, you know, why not? But don't do it because say you do go in there and like they try to get you to talk. Instead of doing three weeks, you might have to do three months. I had to do three months and I and I didn't tell him anything. That's what he's saying. He's like, don't don't tell me anything, man. And I'm like, all right. He's trying to help. He's trying to help me get me out of more trouble. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. He was the one that told me about buying out my hours. He's like, dude, tell your lawyer you want the judge to buy. You know that you want to buy out the hours. He if it's a possibility for sure, I, I I looked it. I looked it up online. Yeah, I was like, say, yeah, I it is. I feel like though I had another friend that got arrested for. His, it depends on your crime. Well, he got arrested for for resisting arrest. I'm like, how can you resist arrest if you're arrested for resisting? That doesn't make any sense because you weren't under arrest until you resisted. But yeah, what was the initial arrest for? And what it was, all it was, I was there when it happened. That the, the cop goes, let me see your ID, and he goes, what what do I need my what do you need my ID for? 
And then he reached for his wallet to show him his ID, and, and the cop thought he was like grabbing, as if there's, going for there's a three gun. cops there, and he's gonna be like, "Let me grab my gun." Wow. No, so he went to grab his wallet, and they threw him on the ground and arrested him. You were right there too. Yeah, and it broke his glasses, and um, and he ended up having to do community service over it. And I was like, "Dude, why didn't you fight that? Like, get a lawyer." He's like, "My lawyer." It was in Greenville, South Carolina. Because my lawyer said, "This is the best thing you're gonna get. These people, like, they're they're basically they're just assholes." And the fact they can get away with that, land of the free, they can just arrest you for resisting their arrest that they weren't arresting until you resisted, and then you can have to do community service. And he and he he had money too. He could have bought it out, and he did not. He had to do the community service. That's what I'm doing with that sign. I didn't hit a fucking sign. But if I can just pay you $200, do this, and it's not on my record, I'd rather do that than, like I said, fight it. You have to go talk about, you know what I mean? Like, and you might have to hire a lawyer to fight it. If you, if you want to do it with a public defender, then your chances of winning become less. And if, say I do lose, now it's on my record, and I got to do all the shit you guys said. And you're not going to get a lawyer for under $200. I, pay no, I, pay, I paid for a lawyer. Oh, even with the, this? Yeah, with the diversion. Because, dude, it happened in February. They went to court four times before I... Before the diversion, before I was able to take the diversion, mm. so yeah, but yeah, I hired I hired him just for, like for counsel, you know what I mean? Pretty much, I just didn't want I wanted it off my record. I don't do I have a clean record. There's nothing on my record, so I was like, dude, I, whatever I have to do to keep it that way. That's so, what I mean. That's, that's what we that's did. That's probably the smart thing to do. It, it's it's a horrible system we have with it. And like I said, like you go down there, you take a there's. Even when the girl like picked me up, she's like, "Why are you down here? There's no reason to be down there. Like, if you, unless you live there, <laughs> you know right. what I mean?" Oh right. So you were going the wrong way. Yeah. And I just they could have just said that. And I, what's my excuse? And I'm like, oh, I got a new car. I'm trying it out. Checking out the islands. That's what I would have said. Trying you know to find I mean? trying to find a cool bar. I just didn't want to bring it up. Yeah, I'm in, with you. In trial with the cop there. Right, right. So I was just like, "All right, diversion." Well, you know, it's, I've been thinking about it a lot because how do you solve the driving thing with with drunk drivers? I think that, the, that it's way too steep of a penalty for someone driving drunk. But then at the same time, what happens when they kill people? So, so what do you do? I think we're just in a weird transition when automobiles are a crazy thing. It's our transportation. Any asshole in the world. We talk about people having guns and how dangerous that can be. Well, a car is. Everybody has when they're driving seventy miles an hour. Right, I'm off McGregor right here. So there's some people going seventy miles an hour on that when we're walking our dogs. We're in a transition from technology moving from people driving themselves to self-driving. And in the next 50 years, maybe sooner, it'll be illegal to drive yourself. And I, now I've talked to some people about that, like my uncle who goes, he goes, well, it's all about freedom. I want the freedom to drive myself. It's like, all right, that's one way to think, man, but I want the freedom not to be killed by somebody who doesn't know, what the, you know, you could be tired, you could have a heart attack. There's many things that can happen that won't happen with an automated car. And the automated cars work so much more efficiently that even if somebody were to jump out in front of one of them and its only option was to swerve into another car coming head on, if it was another self-driving car coming head on, then that car would also move accordingly and the whole accident would be avoided. However, if it was a person in that car, then that automated car wouldn't be able to predict what that person's going to do. So then does it crash in the front of that car, possibly killing them, or does it kill a pedestrian? That's why eventually we need all self-driving cars. And then your car in your parking lot is just gonna be like a little living room. You just go sit inside and chill. You can you can have your drinks, you can have whatever you want, and you can just, Wake it'll just up take there, you. yeah, or go there. Yeah, it's gonna be a better world then. So we are in a transition right now, which we have something right now that's just hard to figure out. How do you, you can't, I understand, you can't let people legally just say, drink whatever you want and drive, let's hope for the best. No, you should say, no, you're not supposed to drink. But also, do you ruin someone's life when they get caught with drinking, especially if they weren't swerving and there was no accident? Yeah, it's, I think it's a responsibility thing. Like, yeah, you, you need know? to be responsible. But some people, say you're an alcoholic. 
meaning that you have to have alcohol in your system to function. And that could be a problem within itself. We need to have better help for that, whatever. But if you're, if you're an alcoholic, and, and most alcoholics that I've known, they're very much functional, sober. Like they, they, they don't seem drunk at all. They're just constantly have alcohol in the system. They're having to the drink and they talk fine. They never ever seem drunk because they just constantly have alcohol in their system. And my buddy Will that was on the podcast was like that. But anytime you ever catch him behind the wheel, he's going to be over the legal limit because he's always over the legal limit. And he's never any more dangerous than anybody else um, behind the wheel. But now that this, a kid with the same alcohol level as him who doesn't drink much might crash his car into a school or whatever. But he's going to be fine. And he, he can't afford Ubers everywhere he goes, especially with what we do. There's a lot of musicians who are, are alcoholics and drink too much. You can't get an Uber to a, to a gig with all your equipment. Like, hold on, let me put my speakers in your back here. Whatever. No. Yeah. So you're, you're driving. And I, I, I've, quit, I've cut drinking out of my gigs. I think it's the best way to play. It's, if you want to have a beer, too, I, I've, I've cut them out completely because I've actually noticed my gigs go by fast and I enjoy them when I'm sober. If I want to come home and have a beer, cool. But also then I don't have to worry about driving drunk. And that's, I, it's such a life, it would it would fuck my life up so bad if I got a DUI. And the thing that's scary is it's like, I'm never drunk enough. If I'm drunk enough where I'm slurring and stumbling, I've made the mistake in the past, but now it's like, I'll Uber, I'll leave my car with my equipment. I'm never driving like that. I don't even know how to get that way ever. But if, you know what I'm saying? I'm driving fine, but if I get pulled over for something that has nothing to do with me being drunk, and then they know, they smell something, that could ruin my life, and that doesn't make any sense. I agree. It's a, it's a very fine line. It is, but it's the best thing best thing to do is that they've they've won that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna abide by their rules on the not drinking and driving, just because it's like I'm gonna give you that. And what again? What do you do? People die. Yeah, dude. I I agree, man. Like it ruined my dad had like six DUIs, ruined his life, went to jail for a long time. Four oh, DUIs. Fuck. You know what I mean? I haven't had any. That's the closest I ever came was wrecking my own car and right whatever and i'm keeping it that way like dude i'm taking this as like a big warning like and you quit drinking for are you drinking again now um i had a few beers when i was up in indiana yeah like, but so you're drinking very once a month that's, that's good yeah, yeah I'm, I, like, I'm once a week right now yeah I, it, it's it's all what it, like i think the responsibility thing and person to person like what you do after you drink is huge yeah. but um when i was 20 i'm 34 now about to 35 in october when i was 29 i quit for a year just to save money, just to prove to myself I could, and yeah, probably never felt better, dude. It was it was a really good year. But I, did I you ever find it hard though when you get like thirty days in and you feel so good that you feel like you want to drink? You're like, I feel so good, I should have a drink. I, yeah, dude. But even you just like, keep going. Even like right now, like I had a few drinks, like the thirteenth, like I had two Coronas that night, and before that it was like a month. So even if I drank now, it would be I guess it'd be two weeks today. Yeah, but like. The next day, it's like I get sick. You know, I feel like shit. I, I will say that when I'm not drinking regularly, hangovers are immediately worse, like really bad. Like I don't care about my, I don't care about playing. Like you know what I mean? Like I hate who I am. I'm with you. That day, so yeah, I just started back at jujitsu, and that's mainly because I'm I don't, not drinking much. If I'm waking up hungover, the last thing I'm gonna do is go to jujitsu. It's just too intense. Yeah. Where do you do that at? At Vickery. It's off uh, Colonial. I just started. This is my first week, so. Made it three three classes this week. That was good. I mean, it's the best workout. I swear really? to God. Yeah. I just joined Planet Fitness two months oh, yeah. ago. And one right here. Yeah. Yeah. We go to Crunch. I used to go to that one. I like it. Yes, it feels good. It's just I I keep talking about. It. I do my psychedelic Sundays. I keep telling people like exercise is the most important thing to, to feeling better. It's physically and mentally and everything. mentally. Oh man. yeah, for your depression, whatever. Going just getting just getting that sweat out because I mean our species evolved 
constantly on the move, running from predators, hunting, gathering. Um, we were migratory. So every day there was work to be done. If, if, we, if you're working a job like us where your most workout is carrying some equipment, that's not as, your body needs a little more than that. If you're sitting at a, at a desk all day, you gotta you gotta go for runs. You gotta do something. If you're working construction, hey, you know some of those jobs that you do, like you don't, you might not need the gym, and that's all good. That's true. Yeah. When I when I worked construction, I I was overweight for a while. When I was for about in 2000, yeah, probably 2014, 15, I was about 30 pounds heavier. And and where I first said the weight was getting a construction job back in North Carolina, 40 hours a week doing construction, and I was like the labor guy. You know, I wasn't the wasn't the guy with the notebook. I was like hauling wheelbarrows full of cement and shit. All that weight was gone. So if you're you kept doing, it off too. I did. Right. Well, because then I got into the gym, and then I well also the Vicodin man, but because I, 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 that was also right when I quit doing the Vicodin. Vicodin would make me have to eat because my stomach would get upset. So I was eating constantly, and it also blocks you up. So I think that food sits there, and your body kind of absorbs more than it needs. So you would take oxy sometimes, but mostly Vicodin. Well, Vicodin was what I was addicted to. But if you're addicted to Vicodin, if you're addicted to any opiate, any other opioid will help with your withdrawals. So like if you're addicted to heroin and all, and you're out, and someone's like, "Well, I got some oxycontins," that'll do. Yeah. You'll be fine. But you didn't like though that high better. Oxycontin actually, oxycontin is very similar to hydrocodone. Hydrocodone. You know the difference in... Uh, I used to do them a lot. You know Percocets? I used to do them So Percocet and Oxycontin are the same drug. Same exact drug. The hydrocodone? Hi, yeah. Okay. Oxycontin is Oxycodone. Okay. Percocet is Oxycodone with Tylenol. So the difference is you can't take too many with Tylenol because it can cause liver problems. And um, Dr. Carl Hart actually compared it to... There was these laws with, uh, with certain alcohol uh, products that were sold um, over the counter for, I guess, for medical things. They had to have a certain amount of ethanol in it because because it would make you sick if you drank too much of it, and they didn't want people getting drunk. So they were like, put more ethanol, and it was killing people and causing people problems because of the too much ethanol. And, it said, and he said it was a horrible system that they did. They, they kept just being like, add more methanol, add more ethanol, and people won't fucking drink as much of it. And he's like, he said, the same thing's happening now with Tylenol and these drugs. He's like, just add more Tylenol because it can cause permanent liver damage if you have a, if you have a bad addiction to heroin and you go raid a, a Percocet cap, you know, eat, eat 30 Percocets to get your high. That's way too much Tylenol. It can cause permanent li liver damage. So, it's, it's, but the reason it's in there, they say it's because, oh, it helps to alleviate the pain, the Tylenol mixed. What's wrong with just getting some Tylenol on the side and take them both? They put them in there because they don't want you to abuse it. But, but people that want to get high want to get high. I th and, but again, our, our country kind of has this whole culture of we hate people that want to get high. Like, the idea that you'd want to get high is absolutely insane. Like, people that are like, I, well, I need, about, I got a bad back. Doctor's like, I don't think it's a back. You, I think that you you might be uh, you might be wanting to get high. Addiction. Well, yeah. what, what if I want to get high? And also, is, if I'm addicted and I'm going through withdrawals, is that not a medical condition? It is a medical condition. And if the treatment is the drug that I that I'm addicted to, that's what Dr. Carl also said. He said, "Who would have thought that a good treatment for heroin addiction is heroin?" Because it is. But our country doesn't see it that way. Anyway, we've been doing this for a long time, man. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, great, it was it great talking with you. Yeah, man, and, um, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming over. He's showing me a little bit of this logic program. It's new Try to me. It's, it's very similar to GarageBand. Anyway. We'll learn it. He just came over with a bag of uh, stuff from the medical store, Cure Leaf. Yeah. Not sure how the, today was going to go, so. You're all into the vape cartridges, huh? Yeah. You don't, like, you don't like the green? I the just, flower? my doctor doesn't prescribe it to me. Wait, you don't have a... Oh, you have to, it's a separate thing? Yeah. I forgot about that. It is. But what? I mean, I could get it on the street if I wanted. I just, once I started getting those carts, I'm just like, I can take two hits of that or smoke a joint. I'd rather just take two hits of that. The high to me, I, I don't notice any difference whether I'm doing vapes or green. I just like the smell of it. I don't and like what it does to my mouth. 
I do. I love like the smell. The, I love the taste. I love the hold the flowers and. Mm. I got some keef at home. Oh, there you go. I like that. Nice. And I got some bud that I put it on top of. Oh, we so gotta I do, a, but yeah, we gotta do some mushrooms sometime soon, man. What, I'm down. Well, let me, what, so you've done psychedelics many times since the peyote, or not? Yeah, just not a lot. I'm oh. always like, if you're doing like four grams, I'll take one and a half or two. You no, you take mean? at least three and a half grams. Trust me. I promise you. As long as we're in the right space and everything. But what we need to do is, is we'll play out, we'll do like a, we'll bring some drums and some guitars and we'll find a, a secluded place on a beach, get yeah. some, some really cool people and um, just kick it on the beach and just do it right at sunset so you see all the colors and then you see the stars. And even three and a half, four grams, you're looking at about six hours tops. So anyway, yeah. we'll get it. Yep. Thanks I'm for down. coming on the podcast. Yeah, Great man. talking to you. Thanks for having me. All right, peace out.